0: Hi, I'm David Dodge. Welcome to Green Energy Futures. Dennis Hayes was one of the founders of Earth Day. The date was April 22nd, 1970. Rivers were catching fire. Species like the bald eagle were already endangered. Air pollution in some American cities was as bad as Shenzhen, China today. In this special, we collaborate with Mitchell Beer of the Energy Mix to recall the origins of Earth Day. I'd like to start by taking you back to 1970 to a time when environmental consciousness was beginning to dawn. Earth Day has changed a lot since then. No one was talking about climate change in 1970.
1: The changes are absolutely enormous. Remember that back in 1970, communications were all intermediated by largely trusted news sources. So there was no internet, there was no social media, there was no ability to mobilize unless you had some way to reach through conventional media to reach people who would then come back to you by sending you a postcard, or if they happen to be wealthy enough to sit, make a, a long-distance telephone call, which in those days were still sort of pricey. People didn't really think of energy in 1970. There was oil, there was gas, there was coal, there was nuclear, To a very, very limited extent, there was solar, very limited, and no one really thought of efficiency as an energy source, and nobody clustered all of those things together. Energy was on the radar for a different
0: reason, thanks to the Santa Barbara oil spill in California in 1969. Up to 100,000 barrels spilled onto the beaches, killing sea life, outraging the public, and
1: spawning new legislation. What Earth Day did in that context was manage to somehow assemble a massive outpouring of public concern that took all of these separate threads and literally hundreds more and wove them into the fabric of modern environmentalism. But, says Hayes, despite that climate change
0: is a big issue, politics is increasingly polarized. We have
1: the disturbing trend that has emerged in the last few years, often attributed not without reason to. Subversive activities by the oil and coal and electric utility industries, but of a genuine anti sustainable energy movement. And so you've got opposition to offshore wind, opposition to onshore wind and wind farms. We have these weird claims by, for example, a former president of the United States that wind turbines cause cancer. Absolutely nothing that would <laughs> even theoretically be there to underpin it, but you know, he's. As has a huge fraction of America that thinks he speaks
0: truth. Despite the abundance of readily available solutions to climate change, Hayes is quite pessimistic about institutional barriers to action. Hayes isn't sure what'll get us over the tipping point. Perhaps in the end, it'll be the survival instinct
1: of humans. As issues become more dire, some of that gets stripped away and we come face to face with what the choices are and what the implications are for our future and I have a basic quasi-biological belief that that may contain an important part of what gives us a future. Use the goal as a motivator, but if it becomes absolutely clear, and frankly, for me, it's clear, we're not going to hit 1.5, that's not the end of the world. That's a failure. That's like the opposite team scored a touchdown, but the game is still out there and you're still playing. Let's get 1.6. Let's get 1.8. Let's get just as much as we can, just as fast as we can. Let's get out there and fight for this.
0: You can hear Mitchell Beers' full interview with Dennis Hayes at greenenergyfutures.ca. For Green Energy Futures, I'm David Dodge.